Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast with me, Holly Johnson, and my co-host, Gabriella Clark. Each week, we discuss the latest vegan news, taste test new products, and chat to some of the leading names in veganism. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us again on the Simply Vegan podcast. I'm Holly Johnson. I'm joined by my co-host, Gabriella Clark. Uh, we thought we'd kick off this week's episode with some good vegan news. Oatly are to build their first ever factory in the UK, which is amazing because obviously the demand is there. So that's definitely something to celebrate. And a study has said that cultivated meat, so sort of lab grown meat or whatever you want to call it, can slash global warming by 92%. I mean, that is just incredible. That's a staggering figure, isn't it? 92%. Would you eat lab-grown meat or cultivated meat? I have to say, personally, I don't miss that sort of texture and flavour from my diet enough for it to lure me. I still am slightly put off by the phrase lab-grown. Um However, as with lots of things that we discuss on here, if there's solutions that are offering a, you know, planet saving initiative to that extent available to people who are new to their vegan journey or do miss that flavor or texture, then I think it's brilliant. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, 92% is just massive. But I I do wonder whether it will catch on, you know, like you said, lab grown meat. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be kind of marketed like that. But, um, you know, does it sort of gross people out a little bit? Um, Which is, I guess, kind of ironic, because when you consider that animals are kind of, you know, dragged off to a slaughterhouse and (laughs) killed and chopped up isn't exactly, uh, 
you know, mm. particularly <laughs> appetizing either. But I suppose it's yeah. just it's something different, isn't it? It's kind of like, mm, this is this is a bit weird. But I'd be interested to see the messaging because unbelievably, I still think there's a lot of misinformation around how healthy a vegan diet is. And I'm always you know, faced with people saying, well, I don't think it's very healthy. It can't be a fulfilling diet. You surely can't get everything you need. And so I don't think phrases like lab grown help the cause. Mm. Um, So it'd be interesting to see the nutritional side of it, if if there is any, um, not just the planet, planet saving initiative, which, you know, funnily enough, that is the main reason I'm vegan is for the planet and for climate change so um yeah even for someone like me who's super passionate about that I'd still err on the side of caution I think yeah it would be interesting to see kind of what it what it contains um in terms of nutrients so yeah that's something we we need to look into and get back to listeners on um so reviews this week we have been taste testing more lovely things for you um so first up, we we went a bit healthy, didn't we? We we kind of went down the um, cleansing road, shall we say? Cleansing, yes, the cleansing route. So we tried uh, Steep's One Shot, which is kind of like it kind of comes in a bottle that is a bit like uh, olive oil or flaxseed oil. You know, you'd expect to see. Um, it is twelve ninety five, and it's available from the Steep's website. Um, so it's fairly pricey, but the tagline is rocket fuel for humans. And I kind of agree that it does really fire you up. It's almost like doing a shot of alcohol. I'd say, I mean, it packs even more of a punch than alcohol. I think it's super fiery. Um, if you're doing it first thing in the morning, it's going to wake you up for sure. Definitely. So it's it's raw and it's organic and it's basically ginger, turmeric, horseradish, chili, garlic, all in um, soaked in apple cider vinegar for 12 weeks um, or steeped in apple cider vinegar, which is where the uh, the name comes from. It's really good for your metabolism. So to kickstart, you know, the fat burning and it's really good for your digestion. And it definitely works. Apple cider vinegar is a mild natural laxative. And my husband has reported that <laughs> it has had that brilliant Um, but not in a dramatic or sort of you know not in a a bad way um it hasn't had that effect on me but that's probably because I'm vegan and my digestive system is already amazing (laughs) um but yeah I I actually really loved it I mean I thought oh my god you know horseradish chili garlic it sounds disgusting but I got kind of a buzz out of it I know exactly what you mean. I It took me a couple of days of having the bottle on the side to work up the courage to do a shot of it, having um, read the ingredients. <laughs> but actually, it's one of those things that packs such a punch. You can really believe that it's doing good for your insides. Like I said, apple cider vinegar is a natural laxative, but it also improves digestion. It lowers blood, sh- blood sugar levels. It improves insulin sensitivity. It helps people lose weight, reduces belly fat, lowers cholesterol, lowers blood pressure. I mean, there's the list is just huge. And then you've got the turmeric, which is a powerful antioxidant, um, supports your immune system, even helps with things like hay fever. 
horseradish, um, I was really surprised to read that that also lowers inflammation and helps fight bacterial and fungal infection. So that's good. Improves breathing issues and fights cancer. And I think more so now than ever, something that is so amazing, not just for your digestion, but for your immune system. You know, we're coming out of a a year-long pandemic. And I think if you can find natural ways to introduce these immune boosting things into your diet then then do it for sure yeah I mean it is 12.95 a bottle is fairly pricey but I kind of sat down and thought about it I mean obviously you could make this yourself but with all those different ingredients they're all organic you know I I might do the apple cider vinegar with perhaps some turmeric and garlic and ginger but would I have kind of horseradish as well and you know it's it's kind of the convenience of it just to have it in your fridge and just do a shot every day and you know just know that you're kind of doing everything you can to support your digestive health as well as your overall health for sure and it comes with a a little shot glass doesn't it yeah um which is quite a nice you know novelty thing it's there on the side with your to make it easy to drink it um and I actually really liked the brand tone of voice the brand messaging as well I went onto the website just to have a read through and and learn a bit more and it's uh the guy who created it's really big into health and fitness and even when they talk about the shelf life it says you know it lasts for 18 months but you've got to drink it for it to work so um yeah I was really pleasantly surprised and I actually think no, we should review it in a couple of weeks to see if we're noticing any tangible benefits. But it's something I can see the real, uh, a real desire for me to keep as part of my daily routine. Yeah, definitely. Well, the next thing we reviewed wasn't quite um, so nutritionally beneficial. However, it does have B12 and calcium in it. Um, these were the smoky cheddar slices from Violife. These are new. They're available at Tesco and they're £2.80. You get quite a lot in the pack, don't you? They're lovely thick slices. What did you think of them? So I have to say Violife for me is my go-to shop-bought you know, supermarket vegan cheese brand I think their cheddar for me is is the best one available in your mainstream supermarkets um and I was really pleasantly surprised I with their vegan cheeses prefer the blocks rather than the slices and um, I just find them slightly less artificial but actually these smoky ch- slices packed such a flavor um we melted them onto some ciabatta with salad and the chutney and they really had a strong smoky cheesy flavor and melted almost identically to dairy cheese from what I can remember always happy to have a new cheese option aren't we Gabriella for sure (laughs) and you know for me the best vegan cheeses still out there are from those small artisan brands but yeah. it's just not always feasible to a access them and b justify the price of the small small batch brands so um having those more accessible options is great 
Yeah, I tried another artisan cheese actually last week. My daughter had a hospital appointment in a nearby town. So it meant I could actually drive somewhere and, and leave. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> leave. <exciting. laughs> I mean, during lockdown, you know, you get excited about these small things. So um, they have a really good deli. I mean, it's not fully vegan, but they've just got everything in there. And I tried, it's like a herby, uh, creamy cheese from, it's by... Uh, Bath Culture House, I think it's called. So it's kind of mm. cult- cultured nut cheese um, made in Bath. And it was about £5 for a little pot, but that was lovely, really, really good. And because it's kind of fermented and made from nuts, you kind of feel like it's going to do some good to your body rather than just kind of, you know, <laughs> bit, rather than the naughtier options. Um, so that, yeah, that was great. I feel like the vegan cheese finding is a lifelong quest because the vegan meat substitutes almost identical for me vegan chocolate has come on a long way and there's some amazing brands out there that are both mainstream and uh, smaller brands but when you find a vegan cheese that you actually really enjoy that's a real eureka vegan moment for me it is yeah (laughs) on a a lifelong quest oh yeah I'm dedicated to the cause (laughs) The last thing we reviewed this week were pizzas from One Planet Pizza. Um, I absolutely love this company. They um, they they could always be found at the vegan events back in the day, you know, and hopefully, you know, soon to be <laughs> the present time again when you could all get together and go to a vegan festival and, you know, grab a slice of pizza and mingle and, oh, it's just brilliant. Um, so they were always there. And um, I, I love the the company. I love the ethos. They're very sustainable. They support, um, you know, local brands wherever they can. They're, they're kind of handmade. Their packaging is all recyclable, which is amazing. And um they don't use palm oil. So they very kindly got in touch after listening to the podcast, um, which was which was nice to know that they're listening. Um, they listened to a podcast episode a few uh, months ago, Gabriella, when they heard you say that you, <laughs> you had yet to find a really good uh, vegan pizza. I, I get the impression that you're hard to please with pizzas. <laughs> well, I never knew I was really. However... <laughs> It it would it would seem that I am so, yeah. We had them sent, didn't we? And first of all, I did really want to comment on the sustainability of the brand in general because we get sent quite a lot of stuff, and sometimes I'm a little bit disappointed by the fact that it arrives in loads and loads and loads of packaging still. Yeah, lots of of wasteful packaging, and there have been brands who send you. Uh, stuff so that you can send it back or direct you on how to recycle it um but the pizzas were wrapped in a cladding to keep them safe in the box which I believe was made from recycled denim if I'm not okay right oh that's Um, amazing yeah and I really liked that that they'd thought of that because you know if you are vegan it's not just about the food that you eat, but you're also quite conscious about other ways in which your lifestyle impacts the planet. So I was really impressed. Yeah. There was elements to the pizzas I loved. I thought the flavours of the of the pizzas that we tried were really good. They were really in line with what they said they were. So the cheeseburger one tasted exactly like you'd imagine cheeseburgers. The Mexican one had a really nacho-y taste. 
But for me, I didn't love the base. I personally found the the base quite cakey, quite thick. Um, And so that wasn't quite to my taste personally. How about you? Uh, Yeah, I actually liked the base because it's it had that handmade homemade feel and actually the children commented on that and said it tasted like one that you would make at home and I I quite like that sort of doughy um feel to the base the the cheese I do find it's the applewood vegan cheese that they use and we buy that regularly um I do find when it's melted sometimes it can be a little bit sort of sticky like stick to your teeth a little bit mm-hmm. um but overall, really like them. So yeah, kind of, I think you need to try them. Um, I think there's a pizza out there for everyone. So definitely say, give them a go. That Around the £5 mark, you can get them in um, local independence throughout the com- country. If you go to the One Planet Pizza website, you can enter your um, postcode and find a stockist near you, or you can order online. Well, fantastic. So keep listing everybody. Next up, I'll be speaking to Louis Blake, who is an angel investor, entrepreneur, and has his fingers in an awful lot of vegan pies. He's really inspirational, really knowledgeable. We talk about everything from um, lab-grown meat, as, as Gabriella and I were talking about earlier, to his chain of restaurants and his feelings about whether we all need to go vegan or whether just going meat-free is enough. Hi, Louis. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Holly. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. Good to talk. You're the founder of Erpingham House, which includes the UK's largest vegan restaurant. You're founder of pizza chain Vegan Doco and a partner with London-based fast food restaurant by Chloe. Um, You've also invested in various vegan startups, including dog food brand The Pack. Um, You've done an awful lot for the vegan movement here in the UK, haven't you? trying to i think um i think business is a great way to support the the vegan movement um i think that if buying choices i mean particularly when, when it comes to food it's something that we all do three four if you or if you're me five or six times a day we choose to buy food and so if you can make those decisions and choices easier to buy you know a more conscious and sustainable choice then it's going to certainly help people to become vegan which is what we all want and so uh so yeah that's been the main reason really i've seen kind of businesses uh, as a really good way to help spread spread the message on on veganism so how did this all start then when did you discover veganism so I I was an overnight vegan, which means that um, about six years ago I had burnout from work. I was I had two startups at the time that I was running simultaneously. Um, I was working seven days a week, fifteen sixteen hours a day, and I just, it was just too much. I just completely burnt out. But I also didn't really love what I was doing at the time. Um, in the way that I love what I'm doing now. And so what happened was I, I had burnout. I was looking for a way to recover and feel better. And I was in the depths of YouTube looking at all different hacks and various ways that I could have more energy. And vegan and plant-based diet kept coming up. 
And so overnight I ditched uh, meat, dairy, eggs, etc. Did it for a month, felt amazing. And then I went down the rabbit hole in terms of the sustainability and the ethical sides of it as well and just realized that from there I couldn't go back. And so uh, at the time I was one of the businesses was a marketing agency. I was working with a number of hospitality groups and restaurants in London. And I think one day I was sat there putting images on Instagram ads of, of steaks and I just realized, wow, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, walked away from the agency, started up a vegan version, realized very quickly that six years ago there wasn't many vegan companies and many of them didn't have much money. Um, and so saw there was a lot of opportunity in the vegan space and I, I kind of really believed in, 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 in where veganism was going. And so, yeah, kept the agency going and from there, I started with the first restaurant about three years ago and it's just been a bit of a whirlwind three years since then. It sounds like it. I mean, you know, just reeling off all the things that you're kind of, you know, involved with is just incredible. So you say the first restaurant, which was that then? Was that Erpingham House? Yeah, this was Erpingham House. So I was I was actually trying to open a restaurant in London. I had a, a vegan burger brand called No Beef. It's like a hip hop themed kind of burger concept. And we'd done a few pop-ups and we had a site agreed in Shoreditch. Um, and the landlord pulled out last minute. And so I was looking for a place to open in London. Um, and then one day I was going back to Norwich, which is where I'm from originally. And I found this amazing kind of five-story building in the city centre that was available for, for rent. And the price was less than half what I was intending to pay for a small shop in Shoreditch. And so I thought, wow, you know, not realizing which I, that what, which I know now is that these massive spaces also have massive utility bills and massive staffing costs. And that's why nobody <laughs> wants them. But at that time, I didn't know any of that. And I just thought it was a, it was a great idea. And so I put a, a pretty ambitious offer in, uh, which was way below the asking price. And it was accepted. And I thought, oh, damn, well, you know, now I've got to actually do this. And so... <laughs> Uh, I moved back to Norwich. Um, at the time, I had just about enough money to pay the deposit and start the work, but I certainly didn't have enough money to complete it. And so I had to sell this mad vegan vision to some of my friends and family. And, and, and luckily, other people kind of got it. And we opened that, that site about three years ago. Um, didn't realize at the time it was going to be the largest vegan restaurant in the UK. Um pretty much everyone I told thought I was nuts and they they would have been right in the first year because it, it you know it was really difficult but year two and, and even this year with even with COVID it, it's, it's doing really really well and we've now obviously opened our, our second location for that brand in Brighton. Yeah it looks amazing I mean I've seen pictures of it um online you know anyone listening go and check out the website it's just beautiful isn't it and it's it's i mean would you say it's kind of high-end vegan food fine dining i'd say it's like elevated i wouldn't say it's necessarily high dine uh, fine dining because we want to make it accessible to as many people as possible and kind yeah. of the, the 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 whole idea behind it was that when i started to go to vegan restaurants um at this time you know i was still wearing a lot of you know, like obviously not vegan clothes, I had like leather jackets and stuff. And I just felt a little bit kind of like judged going into some of these restaurants. And certainly when yeah. I take friends, they wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable. Like, and you look at the menu and think, oh, what's that? I don't know what that is. And the whole experience a lot of the time just felt, it felt a little bit inaccessible. And I realized that these, a lot of vegan restaurants were purely aiming themselves at vegans. And so mm -hmm. what I wanted to do was create a vegan restaurant that would appeal to non-vegans. And so we really paid close attention to the decor we paid close attention to making it you know 
very uh, easy to understand the menu and the dishes and friendly and and these this was all really really important because I knew that vegans would come anyway as soon as they'd found out it was vegan I knew that we'd get the vegan audience so I wasn't really marketing to them I was marketing more to people that were were curious about vegan food and so that informed a lot of the decision in terms of the the brand direction and the and the interior design so is the Brighton store kind of similar in aesthetics? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of had, had progressed since we first opened. I mean, when we first opened, we had this kind of like pink and green, very floral. Um, and by the time Brighton opened, we'd gone down this more kind of like green, super kind of different shades of green, lots of kind of plants type route. And so Brighton, I guess, was version 2.0. Uh, we're actually updating the Norwich site at the moment during lockdown to, bit, to, right. to match. So, so Brighton, I guess, it had matured a little bit in terms of the direction, went with a slightly different menu, um, although they're now going to be more similar, um, but certainly localised in the sense that we wanted it to feel like a local restaurant to Brighton as opposed to a kind of a, a second version version of the Norwich restaurant yeah so you, have you got any plans for any more I'm in Dorset so you know I'm hoping maybe <laughs> yeah I, you, you know like I've, I was having this conversation recently actually and what I'm seeing in the UK in particular is that there's there's a lot of vegan junk food and it seems to yeah. be that there's in everywhere it's kind of got one kind of vegan fast food restaurant which is great you know and it's great that that kind of food is now accessible but it still seems that in the UK we don't have a lot of kind of dine-in restaurants that are vegan and so I think the mission with Erpingham House is to try and get these rolled out. And so um, we're looking at a London site for this year. Um, we're actually in talks with another uh, part of the country for a site there at the moment as well. And so, yeah, the, the intention really is to, to, is to try and get these the, these restaurants um, nationally. Um, and so that, you know, we, we can people can have a place to come and sit and eat and chill and or have a cup of tea or come for breakfast. And I think that's what, what I love about what we've created is that there's there's it caters for so many different people at all different times of the day. We're open seven days a week. We open from breakfast all the way to the evening. So, you know, if you're vegan or you're not, if you just want somewhere to go and hang out and it's kind of all encompassing in that respect. So tell us about your work with By Chloe. So I, I had a restaurant in London uh, called California Kitchen. Um, when did California Kitchen launch? 2018. Um, for around just over a year, we, we had California Kitchen. And, you know, at the end, it wasn't that the restaurant wasn't successful because we were we, we were super busy. It was just that the, the people involved in the business saw the business differently. And I was looking for a way out. Um, we all had different ideas for the business and it just was obvious that it wouldn't I was the only person that was vegan in the business and so I think collectively we understood that if I wasn't going to be there it wouldn't continue Um, I was looking for a way out at the time I met the team behind by Chloe and they were really keen for me to come on board and help them take that brand forward Um, I saw the potential because of the existing infrastructure you know a a number of sites all over the world a, a mission to really, you know, push pl- whole food, plant-based options on a global basis. And it was really exciting. Um, so I, I, I went on board last December 2019. Uh, I joined, went over to New York to meet the team over there. Um, although I was working with the, 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 the licensee for the rest of the world. Um, and over the last, you know, 13, 14 months, I've, I've worked with those guys on, a, on the basis of helping them kind of push that uh, that message and, and what i love about the brand is that it, it's whole food plant-based you know they're not using an abundance of, of highly processed and fake meats it's all about the plants 
and they have the potential to really reach a lot of people given the the structure of the business and the the, the number of existing sites um the london ones are currently closed we've got a reopening date for april for the first of those but the ambition still remains with that brand to really kind of scale on a, on a global basis and really be that kind of first brand that that, that reach reaches a, a global reach and global audience and so it's, it's an exciting brand to be involved with It'd be nice if you could kind of take over all those old mcdonald's sites wouldn't it wouldn't it yeah <laughs> wouldn't it and i you know but I, I i think some encouraging news that i've said then if you saw the, the the quote from burger king where they said that they anticipate 50 percent of their options to be plant-based by 2030 um i i think that these brands you know they'll either evolve or they'll die you know if they they'll they'll, they'll have to to meet all, all brands have to meet the needs of the of, of the biggest audience or, or their own audience, and so brands like um, you've seen it with brands like Wagamama, who have done a great job catering for a vegan audience and continue to add new new, new foods. I think Burger King will follow, and I think all of these brands will, will be will be forced to, to to move that way sooner or later. Um, and in the meantime, there's an opportunity for for brands that are 100 percent vegan to come to market. And you know, we we shouldn't be able to start a brand in 2020 or 2021 that challenges established brand huge um, market share but we can and it's because the the needs of the customers is 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 um is changing quickly more more quickly than these brands can keep up with and so it's a great opportunity for vegan entrepreneurs and, and food entrepreneurs that want to move into the vegan space at the moment to really meet that growing need and has covid affected your businesses in the last year we've, we've used the time really well of course we, we do miss having people come into the venues, um, but we're, we're kind of grateful for the time and the opportunity it's given us to, to, to kind of improve a lot of the back of house stuff. Um, that being said, obviously, we, we miss seeing the rest of our, I mean, the kitchen teams have been in, but the rest of the staff haven't been working. I haven't really been working on it either. And so we're, we're looking forward to, to kind of opening back up and having everyone back. But yeah, for the most part, it's actually been, it's actually been, been pretty good. <laughs> you feel bad don't you say you know i do a little bit i I do feel bad about saying it because i know i know it's been challenging for a lot of people but i think you know it it could very easily have been the other way you know if if our attitude towards it would have been oh no what are we going to do like this is so bad you know if we'd have taken a negative mindset and a negative outlook on it then we wouldn't have got anything done whereas I'm really proud of the team for for looking at it from a from the perspective of opportunity and and and, and what can be done, and so that that's definitely served us well over the last year. Yeah, I mean, I think you know it's good that there are some positives coming out um, of this pandemic. You know, certainly in terms of perhaps more people considering where their food comes from and you know looking at things like factory farming so you know you're absolutely you're absolutely right i think this you know this has been a a catalyst for people to really think about their health more than ever you know people that perhaps lead in lifestyles that are ultimately going to end with them not being super healthy and perhaps suffering from one of these major killers in 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 later age and now seeing those effects earlier on due to covid you know you've only got to look at the the statistics around um around yeah obesity as an example for for how covid affects people differently and so not saying that veganism is the answer but certainly a diet that that's that's that, that, that's plant based it's whole food plant based has been proven to help in that respect and so i think overall i've noticed certainly over the last year individuals reach out to me and say can you tell me more about plant based food can 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 you tell me more about you know what the kind of things that you eat and the kind of foods that you guys do and I, that that's really good to see yeah yeah i've noticed that as well um 
Well, vegans now represent around 4% of the population in the UK. Um, And when you factor in vegetarians and pescatarians, the total meat-free population is 22%. So do you think we need to keep striving towards a higher number of people eating of a plant-based diet or is a goal of more people going meat-free enough? I think, you know, I think that one of the, I think there's a lot of, um, talk around you know the these diets pescatarian flexitarian etc i think overall if the perspective shifts towards um health and sustainability then ultimately those things will be cancelled out anyway like we it's not sustainable to continue to eat meat in the way that we are um i think there's a lot more education now around what a healthy diet consists of i certainly wouldn't you know have begrudge someone for eating meat once a week or twice a week if they've shifted towards that direction from eating meat seven days a week i think you know as long as people are making progress coupled with the fact that you know we are on a timeline you know i think there's a there's a fine balance between saying to people you know it's great that you're reducing etc but equally we need to be conscious that the recent statistics showing for example with 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 fisheries and, and the ocean that potentially looking at fisherous oceans if we continue at the current rate of consumption by 2050 we don't then have the same amount of patience to say to someone oh, i'll just cut down your fish a little bit we need to stop eating fish full stop yeah. um and this is where business comes in for me you know this is where you know change doesn't necessarily come from government change doesn't necessarily come from individuals change often comes from businesses providing a solution to these problems and so i think ultimately we need to be encouraging people to really look at firstly where their food comes from and sustainable diets in the you know the, the benefit they can make into from an individual perspective of changing their diet for the greater good and equally the benefit of eating whole food plant-based for, for health you know um not to say that people should all go vegan overnight but if you're eating meat seven days a week particularly processed meat and and, and such things it's really the time to evaluate those choices yeah definitely what about lab-grown meat? How do you feel about that? And do you think it'll take off? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, look, if people really want to eat meat, if they really want to eat it, I'd rather them eat it from a lab than, than an animal. Yeah. Uh, it's way more sustainable. Ethically, it's obviously it's more, <laughs> as much better as it can possibly be. And so I don't have an issue with lab-grown meat. In fact, I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's fantastic um, if people choose to eat it. Um, the, the other, I guess, moral argument is that we've got everyone chiming on about protecting the NHS, which... I agree with again. I think we absolutely should protect the NHS, but it seems that it's only considered when it relates to choices around COVID, not considered when it's related to around individual lifestyle choices around food. So I'm hoping that this consideration of the NHS continues over to people's individual lifestyle choices outside of COVID-19, which then plays into your question about cell-based meat. Should we be eating um, cell-based meat three times a day, every day of the week? Probably not. Is that going to have a negative effect on the NHS? Yes, I would suggest so, based on the evidence that I've seen in the connection between red meat and the principal killers in this country. So, It's so true, isn't it? Because when it comes to kind of, you know, um, things like smoking and, and obesity, 
a lot of people kind of say, well, it's down to the individual's choice. But like you say, it is having a massive impact on the NHS. So yeah, you've got you've got if you're going to adopt the stance in relation to COVID, you've got to adopt the stance in relation to everything. You know, it's all very well standing on your doorstep clapping on a Thursday night. But if you're doing so and then go back indoors and smoking a cigarette, drinking and eating ice cream all evening, it's kind <laughs> of like it's, it's it's a bit of a contradiction. Do you know what I mean? So I think, you know, I think it's great that we've got this awareness on for the NHS and, and I absolutely agree with it. I just think people need to be consistent and recognise that it's not COVID isn't the only uh, choice in the sense of uh, worrying about the NHS. Finally, do you think sort of wealthier Western countries like the UK have a responsibility to go plant-based for the good of the planet? It's a really interesting and complex issue, this one. It's like I heard a really good analogy once. It was like asking India to to turn away from meat and dairy is like inviting them to a dinner party and, and uh, they arrive after dessert and tell them they need to wash up as well. And it's, <laughs> and it, and it, and it's really true. It's true, isn't it? You know, you've got the we've sold this kind of Western dream and third world countries have been... Uh, aspiring to live like the West um, for all this time. And now we're telling them actually, you know, you can't have this. That being said, I think, um, I mean, as I said to you, I've just got back from Costa Rica and looking at the diets there, what's interesting is that the the peasants and the farmers and what you'd consider poorer people actually eat a healthier diet than those that are more affluent. They're eating rice, beans, fresh fruits and vegetables, mostly organic. They're growing a lot of food themselves. And so, a lot of these, what you'd say, are not necessarily third world countries, but poorer populations are actually eating healthier food than a lot of our kind of affluent Westerners. Um, and this is a reflect. This is this is obvious. If you go into a an M and S in 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 London, uh, and you see what people are buying, it tends to be a lot of processed, very mm-hmm. processed food, often processed meat and dairy, etc. Um, yeah. Whereas often in these poorer countries, the food that they're eating is tends to be organic if they're growing it themselves. It tends to be a lot of plant based foods, and the benefit of of uh, popularising. Uh, a plant-based diet is that we can feed way more people with way less you know at the moment we grow 11 uh, 11 times as much food as we need to feed the entire world's population yet we still have a considerable portion of the world starving the problem being that a lot of this is this food is repurposed for feed for animals that we then eat and so i think it's just again it's an education piece but then it's an access piece making people aware about this information but then providing them with a a solution again this is where i think business Play, plays an important role and these companies that are now growing hugely you know companies like Oatly that not only growing and providing a solution but equally they're educating people at the same time and I think these are the kind of businesses that we need to support and empower um, on, a, on a large level but equally on a local level um, you know if it, I think I'm a big fan of localization and, and 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 supporting businesses that that use materials from from that local area moving away from this whole kind of globalized flying food around the world can we popularize and 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 work with people that are doing things on a local basis so do you think we should always opt for you know buying things from vegan companies like you mentioned Oatly um or should we just support any vegan options Again, it's, a, it's, a, it's 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 it's. I think it's more of a complex issue than certainly taking a, taking a one or or stance. Um, I've had the conversation on Oatly a few times, and that's the reason I'm bringing it up because I saw a, a section of the vegan community begin to blackmail Oatly because they were yeah. working with a larger company. But the, the the fact is that this company Blackstone, 
they were going to invest that capital somewhere. Would you rather it go to a non-vegan company or a vegan company? You know, they're they're not able to 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 affect decision making at Oatly. It just it's just fueling Oatly's purpose. And if you believe in Oatly's purpose, you should continue to to support them. Um, that money, all money, at some point, at some way along the the, the way, is dirty if if that's how you're looking at it. And so, I I believe in both. You know, I, I tend to try and buy from vegan companies where possible, um, but I also see the value in supporting vegan products from non-vegan companies. Take the work that Derek Sarno's done at Tesco, for example. The yeah. people like me, I, I will seek out vegan companies and go out of my way to buy from them. But I will also recognize that most people that aren't vegan won't. And so what he's been able to do at Tesco has meant that if you're someone that's never heard of veganism before and you're walking down an aisle and you see a wicked meal and it looks appeasing to you, you'll buy it. You're not someone that's going to go out of your way to go to a shop with a vegan company, but you will take the option if it's there. And so I see the value in both. Um, yeah. And I'm cer- certainly on an individual level. I, I, I do believe in supporting vegan companies. I think there's other reasons too. You know, some one of the things that came up recently with with my own restaurant was there was is a, a lot of kind of vegan Facebook groups, and I saw something from someone that had they'd bought a pizza from a uh, a mainstream high street restaurant which shall not be named, and were, were horrified to discover that they sent them a non-vegan pizza. Mm-hmm. When you buy from a vegan restaurant, that just doesn't happen. We don't have dairy in the kitchen. And so, you know, you've chosen to spend £2 less to buy from a chain and you, and as a result, you've received a non-vegan product. There's not going to be the same level of care. And I think if you're vegan um, for health reasons or for allergen reasons, you should always opt to buy from a vegan restaurant to avoid that cross-contamination. So there's, 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 there's a number of reasons that, 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 that you would or wouldn't. But um, I think for the, for, for, the, for, the, for the most part, it's certainly something to consider. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. I mean, what what motivates you to keep going? Is it is it kind of the the animals, or you know, what's your main motivation? I think I think it's important to have regular kind of check ins with why you're doing what you're doing in in any sense, business, life, anything. And so, so for for me, you know, it, it's a, it's a few reasons. I think I know I feel better when I'm eating plant based food, and I want to help other people feel how I feel. Um, I've, my whole family's now vegan. Um, my girlfriend's vegan. She was vegan before, but, but, you know, being able to help the people that you care about yeah. feel better, I think is, is, is a driver. I think from a sustainability perspective, you know, I, I want to, to make, to try and contribute to a, to a, to a positive environment. And I know that by being vegan and by helping other people be vegan, that's certainly a step in the right direction. And of course there's an animal, there's an animal um, position in there as well. You know, nobody wants to see, or at least I, I, I like to believe that nobody wants to see another being suffer. And so I know that by helping more people make choices that are vegan, we can help to reduce suffering in that, in that, in that regard. And so, um, yeah, all, all three kind of main reasons why anyone would be vegan, I think are a good reminder to have on a daily basis as to why we do what we do. Thank you, Louis. No, thanks. Thanks for talking to me. It's been great questions. I've enjoyed, uh, enjoyed speaking. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Simply Vegan podcast. We have a new episode out every Tuesday morning, UK time. So we'll see you next week. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.